0: Let's just pray again as we come to God's words. (coughs) Our Father, please help us now to see the wonderful and glorious things in your law. Soften our hearts to receive your words. In Jesus' name. Amen. So if you'd please take your Bibles back up and turn... Uh, to uh, one Thessalonians, Chapter Two. Now, to start with, I want us to think about this question Is your faith worth fighting for? Is your faith worth fighting for? Now when I say faith, I mean... That faith in in 1 Thessalonians language of turning from idols, of serving the living true God and waiting for Jesus to return. That kind of faith, turning, serving, waiting. Is that faith in you worth fighting for? Is it worth putting time into, energy into? Is it worth training for? Is it worth late nights, early mornings? Is it worth taking some knocks? Is it worth sacrificing for? Is it worth sermon after sermon, prayer, reading, listening, hour after hour? Is it worth your financial investment, denying pleasure, resisting evil? Is your faith worth that fight? Because Paul thought people's faith was worth fighting for. Faith comes up uh, in this in our passage again and again. It's in three verse two, three three verse five, six, seven, and ten. Your faith, your faith. And just look at what he says in 3 verse 8. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. Their faith matters that much that if it's there, Paul can say he really lives. In 2 verse 19 he calls them his hope, joy. Glory and crown of boasting. He wants them to be so established in their faith that he tries again and again and again to get to them. He forgoes having Timothy with them so that he can encourage their faith. He's overwhelmed with joy when he hears their faith is going well. He's praying for them hard that Jesus would establish them. He's much more concerned even about their faith than their suffering. Faith is worth Fighting for. Our faith is worth fighting for. It matters. You know, if if we have faith, we know the true and living God. We know His Son. We're rescued from the coming wrath in one Thessalonian language. It's worth fighting for. But not only did Paul know our faith is worth fighting for, he knew it needs fighting for. The fight is on. Why? Because he knew keeping going in Christ is hard. It's hard, isn't it? He knew that other things cloud in. We get consumed by the immediate, the day-to-day grind of life. But also, we can we can get knocked off our guard by big things. Perhaps it's mocked and bullied for our faith at school. Perhaps friends, family or children falling away from the faith the temptation to join them to to jack it all in grows, doesn't it? and perhaps that's you tonight either you just feel overwhelmed by the ordinary or you feel knocked down by a bigger event of life what can I say? help is at hand because if it if our faith is worth fighting for, if it needs fighting for, the question is, well, what's going to keep us going, isn't it? That's what we want to know, well, what's going to keep us going? And the big idea of this passage is this, okay? we need to receive the fuel of God's word. We need to receive the fuel of God's word. And as, as Paul shows them that, we'll come on to see, he shows them that they need that word because it helps them see two other key things about their lives. We'll come on to that. But firstly, God says to us, he says, receive the fuel. Okay? Receive the fuel. Because this, this section of 1 Thessalonians is actually quite personal, isn't it? It's quite, it's quite personal, it's quite specific to Paul and the Thessalonians. Paul is really keen to get to them. Especially because he's being hindered by Satan, he's he's desperate. Verse seventeen, he he eagerly desires to see them face to face, and he's so keen uh, to get to them. He sends Timothy. Now, even once he's heard the good report from Timothy, he then writes the letter we've got uh, we're reading today, and he's still keen to see them. Even after that, verses three, verse ten, and eleven, he's praying night and day that the Lord may direct their way to him. That they would see he would see them face to face. Paul, big time. He really wants to see the Thessalonians. Now why? Well it's to fuel them with God's word, to give them the fuel of God's word. Do you notice verse two, three verse two? He sends Timothy, why? To establish and exhort you in your faith. Uh, Also his letter that we're reading is full of instruction and encouragement. Verse 10, he wants to see them so that they might supply what is lacking in your faith. That's quite a surprising thing to say, given that he's just been praising them and thanking God for their faith. Yet we're never fully there in a sense, are we? There's always, uh, we always need more of the word, more fuel. You know, whether we've been a believer for a year or 40 years... We always need more fuel uh, from God. I hope you can feel the urgency and earnestness of Paul in this section. Let me just read 17 to 20 again. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavoured the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus that is coming? is it not you for you are our glory and joy There is such a passion isn 't there to get to them, to teach them, to encourage them now if Paul is is going to get to them and then implicitly they, they need to receive what Paul has got for them. they need to receive the fuel that he 's got for them they, they need to listen, they need to learn. They need humility to be teachable, to be established by these apostles. If if we're going to keep going in our faith, we need to receive the fuel. It's like a a racing car needs petrol, or a sailing boat needs the wind, or a shark needs a sea lion. We need God's word. It's fuel. As it says in Deuteronomy, man does not live by bread alone alone. But by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. To hear and listen to God's word, there is nothing more fundamental to our faith. Can I ask you, are you hungry for it? You know, would you have been excited by Timothy coming to your, your church? Do you want more opportunities to hear God's words? As we come to know Jesus better, He grows our love for hearing from Him, doesn't He? At home, in personal devotions, in family worship, in house groups, student suppers, truth, and obviously most importantly, as we gather together on the Lord's Day, morning and evening. But it can feel costly, can't it? We have to wake up earlier. We lose time to ourselves. We have to be with others when we're tired. But your faith is worth fighting for. Receive the fuel. And notice Paul wanted to talk to them face to face. He didn't just write the letter. Personal contact mattered. We're human beings. We have a body. We need relationships. Relationships involve knowing people and being known. Real people to teach us. Only then can we we be taught well and appropriately. Only then can we be encouraged and rebuked. if If you're tempted to keep Bible reading just personal, distant from your elders and your family, then you're missing something fundamental. Now some of you may be actually listening to this online or on a CD. Now some of you are unable to be here due to illness or shift work and you would love to be here with us now and for you, we're praying for you and I hope in the Lord's mercy you'll be with us again soon. But some of us and some of you listening may be listening online because you do, you're doing it because you think it's enough. You think it's okay to just be a Christian on your own. But Paul doesn't see it like that, does he? He knew... We need face-to-face interactions. We need discipling by real people who know us, love us, care for us. If if that's you, if, if you're here today and you know you don't really like being here, you'd rather be at home or you're listening to it online, then come on, get here. Make church a priority. And it will make the world of difference to your faith. You need to receive the fuel. Now, what will that word do for our faith? Well, within this section, Paul uh, shows them. It's like he's saying you need to receive the fuel because actually you need to see what's going on around you because the word, it gives us glasses. gives us glasses with which to see the world properly and that will keep you going in your faith. And he he wants them to receive the fuel for, for two reasons so they see the finish and prepare for the fight. And that will keep them going. So firstly, see the finish. See the finish. Because Paul at the beginning and end of this section, I don't know if you noticed, turn the Thessalonian sights to the finish line. To what's going to happen in the end. 2 verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? And then right at the end, 3 verse 13 so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father, when? At the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Paul wants them to see. Jesus is coming back. This is a theme that comes up again and again in this letter. There is a finish line. There is a great marker of time that we wait for. It's Jesus returning. The man who lived 2,000 years ago, who was executed, who rose from the dead and is now seated in heaven, he will return. He will bring judgment and rescue. He will restore all things. Now knowing this firstly shows why faith matters, doesn't it? What, what happens now really does echo through eternity If we continue trusting in Christ, he will rescue us when he returns. But in this little section, Paul's main purpose for reminding them of the finish is to help them keep going. He's turning their eyes to the future to help them in the present. He's making sure they remember that their lives are part of something much bigger, much bigger than themselves. He wants them to set their lives in the much greater story of what God is doing. If we remember Christ's return, we remember the world is on a trajectory. There is a story, in a sense, within which we live. It's a story of creation. Creation by God, of of then sin and rebellion. A story of redemption, of salvation in Christ. And then a story of new creation and restoration. It's God's story. Now it's important to recognise that whoever we are here tonight, whoever you are, whether you'd call yourself a Christian or not, we all situate ourselves within a bigger story, a way of making sense of the world. It's not God's story or no story, no, it's his story or another one. Perhaps tonight you believe in a world that is just of progress. The slow enlightenment of people, science, technology, political freedom, rights, it's all on the right path. Life will slowly get better. Or perhaps you believe the opposite. It's it's all on a road to destruction. We are slowly wrecking this planet. There will be cataclysmic annihilation. Or perhaps you're just fed up of big stories, of grand stories and just believe life uh, is making your own little story it's about personal self expression doing the best with your life the world is is one of tiny stories that intertwine for a time whatever it may be god in his word gives us a view of the true story of the world a story that he the creator is telling not one that we've made up just to try and make sense of our existence But one that he's in charge of and one that will end with the return of his king, Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God, shown by his resurrection from the dead. We need to see the finish. So if you're not here, sorry, if you're not a Christian here this evening, please can I encourage you not to take the stories that our world teaches you on blind trust. We get fed them in the media. And yet we are socially, we're a society completely lost by them. What story are you actually living by? Is it just an evolutionary progression? Or kind of a postmodern atomizing of society? But can I encourage you instead to look into the person of Jesus? Because what he said, what he did flips the whole thing upside down. Now, why do we need to see the finish? Why do we need to see this finish? Well, it's because it puts our present faith into perspective. It helps us keep going. It's like a long-distance runner. You know, knowing there's a finish line, knowing there's a medal, keeps you going. It helps you take the next step and the next step and the next step. You know, just imagine, right now, you're on a long-distance run. Now, that may be easier for some of us rather than others. It's not very easy for me. Um, But as, you know, just imagine you're weary. Your head drops, you look down at your feet and you, you wish you would never set off. You, you know, you could be lying on a sofa watching the TV. But just as your head drops, someone shouts out, look up. See the finish line, it's there. Keep going. And as you see it, it spurs you on. Because without that finish line, we give up. So we see the finish Knowing Christ will return means we keep trusting him today and the next day and the next day. And spending more time hearing about it and thinking about it does slowly form us and mould us and help us live more and more in light of it. That's why Paul keeps reminding them again and again and again through the letter But it's hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to think about the finish line. It's hard to to think about this future event. It can feel distant. But God in his graciousness gives us lots of pointers if we have the eyes to see them. Just think, the world around us, the creation itself, it reminds us every time that we see it that there's a better creation to come. You know, another pointer, every time we see the effects of sin... Just like when we watch it on the TV or, or we talk to a friend, those effects of sin point us forward to a time when sin will be no more God he's, he's even built it into our week every Sunday, the first day of the week we rest, remembering Christ is risen, he will bring an eternal rest. he's built it into our worship, the Lord's Supper what's that for? as Paul says to proclaim Jesus' death when until he comes? The bread and wine, it's temporary. It points us to a day when we we will truly be with Christ. Good hymns reflect God's story. But most of all, the scriptures are laden with it, aren't they? God's promises of new creation, of his coming restoration through his chosen Messiah. We receive the fuel so we can see that finish. (coughs) A singer-songwriter, Andrew Peterson, uh, puts it like this in one of his songs. So tell me the story I still need to hear. Tell me about the sun that 's going to rise again. I need to know there 's nothing left to fear there 's nothing left to hide. So will you look me in the eye, say we will survive? Its isn 't it to keep going in our faith, we need to hear the story. We need to see that finish line. But even as we look forward, we need to know what it's going to be like along the way. So Paul, secondly, brings in this other idea of prepare for the fight. Prepare for the fight. Because Paul does not shy away from saying that there are beings, there are forces, that are against the church and its faith in Christ. 2 verse 18. We wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. Then again in 3 verse 5, for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Paul knows the fight is on. It's not simply that life is hard. There's actually an enemy. Satan who uses temptation to draw people away from the faith. I'm sure you may know this quote, but C.S. Lewis in his, his brilliant book, The Screwtape Letters, um, has a helpful warning for us. In the preface he says this, he says, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist and the magician with the same delight, now I don't know which way you fall, but I wonder if, in general, as a society and church, we're, we're much more tempted to ignore the work of the devil uh, altogether than to have an unhealthy interest. I, I know that's true of me. But, but C.S. Lewis's point is important. We must recognize the devil, Satan and his work. But not so get wrapped up in it that we fail to see the victory of Christ over him. But but Paul here is alerting us, isn't he, to his presence and his work. Paul is keen. The Thessalonians know that Satan is against them. That he has schemes to lure them away. Particularly, 3 verse 5, temptation. The tempter who tempts us. Tempts us away from following Christ. Just the temptation? Perhaps because another road looks easier or more fun or less costly. It's like Jesus said, he tempts us with the wide gate and the easier road rather than the narrow gate and the hard path. Now for the Thessalonians, Satan used pain and affliction to tempt them off Jesus' path, wasn't it? He ups the pressure. He ups the pressure so they think it's much easier just to throw in the towel. Uh, But at at other times, Satan, rather than pressure, he may use pleasure. The lure of doing as we want. It's pressure or pleasure, fear or desire. And he tempts us away from Christ. And Paul's telling them, he's reminding them again of this so that they are prepared for the fight. Suffering keeps coming up in this letter, doesn't it? And here Paul is emphatic about it. Verse 3, that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. He reminds them again in this letter, suffering is what we are destined for. And when they were with them, they kept reminding them, kept warning them. You know, Paul has a really clear message, doesn't he? If people start to follow Christ and they start telling others of Christ the King, suffering will come. Christ experienced it. The church experiences it. We saw that last time. Suffering will come. The temptations will fly in, both on the outside, the affliction, the pain, the suffering to others, but also our own sinful desires. You know, you'll want to go for the easier path. You'll want to be liked and popular. This is going to happen. And Paul really wants them to be prepared. You know, receive this fuel so that you're prepared for the fight. Because being forewarned is forearmed, isn't it? It helps you keep going. It's like that marathon runner again. You know, I've, I've heard there's a thing called the wall. Now, I've never run that far, but people say around 20 miles, the body can't get the energy it needs because it's run out down its glycogen stores and it's like your body is screaming at you no more. But to know, you know, your body can keep going, that everyone faces it, that you can still get through to 26 miles, you know, that's helpful, isn't it? To know it's coming means you're prepared for the fight through the pain and get to the end. Or perhaps a a different illustration, perhaps knowing that the first few months with a newborn is a time when you'll get very little sleep. You will be exhausted. It's hard. You, 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 You may even hallucinate a little. But everything's for a season. You know it will come, you know you'll need help, and you know it won't be forever. Knowing that means when it comes, as it surely will, you keep fighting through. Or another example, for those of you who know that work leading up to the end of the financial year is mental. It's late nights, it's early mornings, it's crazy deadlines. But again, knowing it's coming, knowing it's normal, knowing it won't be forever, all allows you to keep fighting through it. And so knowing temptation and suffering will come means we're ready. It means we know that this isn't God abandoning us. Instead, again, it's part of that wider story. We're participating with Jesus in what happened to him. We're joining in his sufferings as we prepare to join in his glory. It will come. It will be hard, but it won't last forever. Christ is victorious. He will return with his saints. But you've got to be ready for it. Ready to fight through it. Ready to persevere. Prepare for the fight. Because when it does come, I don't know, perhaps constant comments at work, mocking for your faith, People blatantly ignoring you, your boss passing over you for a promotion, or calling you in, being called a bigot. When those things happen, what's going to be your reaction? God, I I never knew this was your way. Why are you against me? I don't trust you anymore. It'd be easier if I wasn't a Christian. Or is it going to be one of faith? Lord, even in the midst of this, even in the pain and this, these tears, I know this is part of your plan. I know this is what happened to Jesus, so help me. Help me to keep serving you and keep waiting for that finish. Be prepared for the fight. The tempter will um, tempt us with pressure, pressure and pleasure. Be ready to keep going with our eyes fixed on our Saviour. Now, as we've said, this is all about Paul fighting for their faith. He longs to see them standing fast in their faith in Christ by receiving that fuel of God's words. Especially that they see this finish and prepare for the fight. He's given them the pointers of this big story, Christ's return, and the enemy's on the way. So they keep going. And so as we praise God even as we fight, even as we struggle on, even as we look to the future and receive God's word, why this is all God's work. Notice how Paul responds in 3 verse 9. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. Paul knows this is all God's work. God has done it all. God has kept them going. God has kept them from from the tempter. God is the one who will keep them to the end for when Christ returns. He's the one we trust. What a good God. What a kind and generous God we serve. We thank him for keeping us going in faith until now. Until today. This moment he is keeping us going and we keep trusting him as we keep going to the end and do you know what there is there is nothing more nothing that would give me and the other elders more joy than seeing you continue in your faith you are our hope and our joy And crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus that is coming. You are our glory and our joy. So in the Lord's strength, in Christ, and in his Holy Spirit, receive the fuel. So you see the finish and prepare for the fight. Amen.